Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode nine, I believe, of the Gamma Roundtable. As always, you're joined by me, Mulder, otherwise known as Faye, and... Don here once again. And Crash here, per usual. And today we have a very special guest with us. Hi, Kaiju. Hi, uh, I'm Kaiju, pronouns they, them, and it's a pleasure to be here. I'm so glad to have you on, Kaiju, especially because you have something special coming out the weekend I, of of I, this of this drop i do uh this sunday the 24th of october i am releasing my first proper game which is a film noir story starring giant monsters so Ooh. it's very much in theme for me i've seen you working on this for months so it's very cool for me to see that this coming it's finally uh, coming out that's awesome I, yeah, officially, it's going to be a year since the demo dropped. Um, oh, wow, you're I've, right. Yeah. Uh, so I've been working with uh, Louis Abadias uh, for, like, the last 14, 15 months on this thing. I'm so, so excited. Yeah. So, it, yeah, guys, um, uh, for everyone for everyone who's listening, it would be really cool if you could support Kaiju's game drop. That would be very awesome. Thank you. So, Kaiju. Yeah. As we have with everyone who comes on the show, how did you get into Gamera? Uh, so I got into Gamera, uh, Gamera being my first proper giant monster. Uh, I guess I guess the first act, first example of a kaiju I got was probably Reptar out of Rugrats. But <laughs> a lot of the time I don't think that counts. Uh, so back in 1996 or 97, I would have been like eight or nine at the time, uh, I watched a lot of our uh, the foreign media channel that we had on TV. Yeah. Uh, so we in Australia we don't have a lot of TV channels, and one of them is our foreign media channel because we're a, a very multicultural com uh, country. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and every every Monday night was usually some kind of genre film uh, from another country. Mm -hmm. uh, so we got a lot of like. Uh, Asian ghost stories and German horror films and stuff like that. We got a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, and one night I was watching this and there's this giant turtle <laughs> on screen blowing stuff up. And I'm like, okay, this is amazing. And so this was, as I said, this was about 96, 97. So this was um, Gamera Guardian of the Universe. Uh, and... After that first one, they started showing the Showa era. You so it, it was kind <laughs> oh of my. amazing going from uh, nineteen ninety five back to nineteen sixty five. Was it? Yeah, 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 nineteen sixty five, and just kind of getting that comparison. But yeah, Gamera is my my first true monster love, uh, and is to this day. I'm actually really glad, Kaiju, that we have someone on who started like their Kaiju stuff with Gamera, because like I feel like so often you just get people who started with Godzilla, and while that's oh. cool and all, it's nice to have a more unique, a, a more unique experience, if that makes sense. Yeah. So because Australia is very isolated like, geographically and film release wise, I went from essentially Reptar to Gamera. To 1998 Godzilla, <laughs> like yeah, I didn't see any other Godzilla film until I was in at least my late teens to early twenties. See, was like all Gamera for me. 
See, like, not to get, like, too off-topic, but it's interesting how when you look at it, Godzilla-wise, Godzilla didn't really come out outside of the U.S. and Canada that much, honestly. Which yeah, is weird we, to consider. But... Yeah. We, we got nothing. Um, I thought it was a lot of, like, If it didn't like, hit a major series. cinema release, it, mm-hmm. we didn't get anything. What were you saying, Crash? I'm sorry. I was saying, yeah, that's, that's what, like, a lot of Japanese stuff. At most, it might get to the U.S., and if it's big enough, it'll get, like, elsewhere. But oftentimes, if it's, yeah. if it's barely in the U.S., they might just not even consider doing other territories, which is really unfortunate. Because, like, even just, like I said, I don't want to get too much into this rabbit hole because it's very interesting. But, like, Godzilla-wise, most of the Godzilla stuff came out after Godzilla 2014 in other countries. Like, the Showa wow. collection. That was mainly from 2014's boom. But anyways. So, yeah, Kaiju. So, I'm really glad that we have someone who starred with Gamera instead of Godzilla. <laughs> it's fun to have. Okay. Oh, oh, go ahead, Kaiju. No, go ahead. It's all good. I was just going to say. So, what would you guys give Gamera Garnivorous out of 10? 10. Ooh. Valid. This is Wait. a so- <laughs> Oh, go ahead. Oh, did, did, did someone want, want to go next? Or are we good? Oh, sure. Um, it's a solid 9 out of 10 for me. Crash? Uh yeah, I was gonna say like eight out, of, eight, out of, eight out of ten probably for me. Huh? Okay. I we'll get more into it obviously. <laughs> yeah, Crash, tread carefully here. You have you have three mega <laughs> mega Hasey Gamer fans. <laughs> Anyways, I, for me, it's a solid nine out of ten. But go ahead, Kaiju. Yeah. So I I approach this genre as I tend not to give things individual ratings like this. I look mm-hmm. more of it as a does this film do what it sets out to do? That's fair. And and I work my rating off that. Does Gamera do what the creator set out to do and do it well? And mm-hmm. I cannot pull it down on any spot there. The acting is fantastic. The physical effects are fantastic. Even the CGI for the time is pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, it... It is a f- perfect origin story for yeah. for that trilogy. Like it is. I would I would definitely game. agree. So yeah, okay. first for oh, go ahead, Kaju. No, go ahead. I'm done. Okay, I just I just want to make sure I didn't cut you off. So to give some background real quick, at Gamera Garden Universe, as we know, for anyone who watched our last episode, um, Gamera kind of died in in 1980, both literally and figuratively. <laughs> In, in Gamera Super Monster. So, uh, there was a long hiatus from that point. Between that, a little series called Godzilla came back in a big way in the 80s and 90s. So, Dae was like, hmm, let's bring back Gamera. Because, as we know, Gamera did have a period of success. And seeing Godzilla's re- renewed success, that was the, the kind of thought process behind it. Initially, you also pitched a return, and that kind of fell through because they were like, "Eh, we're not really feeling going back to that show style." So while unfortunately I can't find too many details on, on how Kaneko got involved, Dae was intrigued, obviously, by Kaneko's vision for Gamera, and beyond beyond just Kaneko, we also had Kazunori Ito writing this, who. You will probably all know for writing Ghost in the Shell and Padlebor for, for Mamoru Oshii's films. 
So that's two big hitters on of on the production side of things. Now, for a little interesting side note, Daya did not have the money to make this movie. So they went to Toho for money, which is really funny. And Toho was like, okay, we'll give you the money as long as we can distribute it and we have some some rights to we hold some of the rights to the films to a slight degree in Japan. So that's why when the movie starts, you see the Toho logo in front of a Gamma movie. And I think that's hilarious. I know, right? It's pretty funny to see these two together. I guess this is our Godzilla Gamma crossover, right? <laughs> in a sense. Okay. It's as close as we get until the, the fan film comes out. That's for Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and probably the closest we'll ever get, but we'll see. It depends on if Katakawa decides to stop being jerks. Anyways, so... What did what did you all think of um, uh, Kaneko's take on Gamera for the first time? Um, I easily the best take on Gamera so far. I would say easily coming from the show era, there was a massive kind of one eighty twist there. Yeah. So I y'all y'all talked talked it up a lot. So I was like, damn, okay, I can't wait for this to be like way better. And they absolutely did not disappoint. I think his take on it is a much more. It's, it's like, well, I think what we expect of like kaijus, but it's done really well. And yeah. considering how he was done in the show era, I really like this take a lot more. More Godzilla esque, but like more heroic too. Like, he yeah, that element about him. Ton? Yeah, um, I really love Kaneko's take here. Um, obviously, this is pretty much in a reboot of the franchise. And the thing with reboots is there's always kind of a shaky. Um, feeling going in of, um, are they going to be good? Are they going to not be good? And what determines whether a reboot is good or not can really depend on the popularity of the franchise and the attachment people have to it. So obviously, um, Gamera kind of had its ups and downs. The show of Gamera, that is, and yeah, I feel like Kaneko really kind of came into this with his own vision for the franchise, but ultimately, I feel like. Rather than like you know throw out everything from the show era, he really took those core elements of the character and just entirely gave it a new aesthetic and brought it into that '90s kaiju era in such a great way. It just really works well. Yeah, kaiju. Uh, I honestly think it was amazingly done, and there were definitely some compromises between the studio and Kanako. Yeah. Uh, so I was reading earlier about how uh, he didn't actually want to put uh, the the children aspect in there huh. at all. Uh, he didn't like it, uh, but the studio was going, no, no, that's that's how you get the money. You got to get the kids involved. Uh, and so what does he do? He gets the kids to essentially put their lives on the line for <laughs> Gamera. Yeah. Because Gamera is putting its life on the line. For humanity, yeah. yeah. So you see, you see a Sagi there who was originally not written into the story. And oh, she is, she is putting herself through hell just see, to keep Gamera mm-hmm. alive. Something else interesting, also with Asagi, real quick, because you brought it up. I'll, I'll get into Asagi stuff more later. But I also feel like the choice of Kaneko to kind of be able to skirt the line by making Asagi a teenager rather than like show a gamma age kids who had something that would be like literally five years old i think was a really genius choice 
because it lets like Asagi relate to the story in a more concrete way, if that makes sense. Yeah, like she has more agency. And yeah, <laughs> that, but there's also some very strong aesthetic links to uh, the youth side of it. So if you, yeah, uh, if you take in the setting of her room, which you see later in the film, there is a Mary Poppins poster on the door. There are plush animals everywhere. You know, there there is this youthful innocence still yeah. going on there. It's still part of who that character is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's not everything she is. Yeah, exactly. Um, for me with Kaneko, well, this episode is not out yet. It's going to come out soon. But for people who don't who don't know, and for when anyone who will be watching right away, um, GMK is my second favorite Godzilla movie. I am a Kaneko stan. I have tracked down DVDs of Kaneko's more obscure stuff from Amazon and ordered them. Just because I want to see more of his stuff. I love Kaneko. I think Kaneko has a super interesting vision. Okay. I, I, I'll, I'll say something really funny here just because I think it's funny how much the fandom doesn't know this. And I, actually, you know what? I'll save it for only, for, for only, for only, for only, for only discuss the scenes of the movie. Because there's something about mm-hmm. Kaneko's worldview that I, that I found out after we recorded GMK that explains a lot about his movies. But I'll say that for the when we talk about the scenes. But to... I feel like Kaneko has a great grasp on the characterization of not just the humans, but also the kaiju. He knows how to really make the fights engaging, who to root for. I just think Kaneko's fantastic. I think Kaneko is the best kaiju director working today, and I'd love to see him come back and do other stuff, hopefully. But yeah, I love Kaneko's stuff. That's the TLDR (laughs) of it. This was actually, for a little bit of of a funny story, when I started getting more into filmmaking when I was in middle school, I was like, you know, I want to see the other films by, by directors who made films I liked. So I saw Kanekans who made GMK. It's like, oh, he made the Gamma movies? Let me check those out. So I checked out the VHS of Gamma Garden Universe, which had also my first one, Evangelion. But that's another story. <laughs> and I was like, this movie is fantastic. So I, then I tracked down the ADV DVDs of the next two, but I'll save those stories for, for when you watch them. TLDR, I'm a Kaneko stan. I love I love this movie and I love Kaneko's um vision for it. I think it's a very strong vision. I think he has a lot that he wants to say with this. Which brings me to my question. I'll put forward a quick choose your own adventure type thing here. Do we want to discuss the monsters first or the humans? Um, 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 um I think we could go to the monsters pretty quickly. There's only like okay. two of them. Yeah. So There's only two. So <laughs> we have Gamma here. Back and bigger and better than ever. Crash, Indeed. I know you said that you just said that Gamera was redeemed by this movie. So I'll let you <laughs> say yeah. your thoughts on Gamera in this. So going through eight movies straight of Gamera getting bodied, failing, <laughs> sucking in general, <laughs> and all his battles, it was awesome to see a truly competent and strong Gamera that holds his own he doesn't he doesn't lose like the fight for half the movie in this one which i really appreciate and it's it, it's cool because you can clearly see like all the inspiration like all the heroic stuff that like i guess started in show era but it's just done on a much better level i would say like, yeah so he's much more competent here but he retains all those like abilities and cool stuff about him he did have in the show era so it's just like i like, guess it's just the best interpretation i've seen of him so far He's just awesome. He's like what I expect a kaiju like him to be here. 
He's epic. He doesn't afraid of anybody. <laughs> you, know the, you know the deal. <laughs> Kaiju? Uh, there's so much I love about it. I mean, in in general, the design for Gamera Oh yeah, I want to say the, that in the in the Heisei series versus uh, the the early in the Showa stuff. Yeah, there's this constant feeling of escalation. Yeah, and that that with the monsters in general for all three of the movies was something incredible. It's like the monsters always had another trick up their sleeve. Sometimes yeah. that was a big spike, um, <laughs> and just the the redesign of Gamera in general, mm-hmm. while maintaining what made Gamera special, which is yeah. Gamera is going to get messed up. <laughs> like that's that's part of yeah their role as uh humanity shield yeah like if if you go into the law if you follow through the movies and the comics and everything else like that gamera gets messed up because they're designed to get messed up yeah like <laughs> they're designed they're designed to fight the gauss an yeah. unending thing that will just keep on coming Oh, I'm a kaiju. Then I'm gonna cut you off, but I want to go back to the spikes real quick because there's a funny story with mm. that. In production, Kaneko wanted the spikes to actually be a part of Gamera's design all the time for this movie, but Dai was like, "No, you can't do that." So they had to compromise by having the spikes be an ability of his, and rather than just yeah, they had to be like Wolverine's claws rather than always there. <laughs> but but I actually it's think it worked out. Yeah, like uh, after after that first film, it becomes part of the suit. Yeah, because basically after that, I'll get into it more in the next episode. Dai saw how much money this one made. I was like, okay, Kaneko, do whatever you do want. You want. I was say, yeah, we're well, hands off. Like, hey, 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 Gamera's got a reputation. He would never have spikes on his elbows. Like, what <laughs> what are they doing? Like, kind of pressuring him. Like, come on, Gamera's been dead. Well, well, actually, the funniest thing also is, and even though this will actually mandate, I actually kind of like it. Dae mandated that Gamera had to look cute and soft. <laughs> All in the face. Yeah. I mean, Gamera, I think his eyes, big part, they kind of remind me of late Showa Godzilla eyes. Yeah. Very, big, very expressive. And he does retain them. He's a turtle. Turtles are pretty cute. So, sometimes, I guess. But, like, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, like, I, you, you kind of mentioned this already, but this design here, you know, taking the Showa one and just adding that, like, I guess, a touch of more, slight more realism and just kind of more detail to him that just makes him stand out a lot. Show suit, it's very budget. He had like glass eyes there. Yeah. Like a light bulb inside of them. <laughs> so and anything inherently was going to be an upgrade. And here he looks great. His eyes are so expressive. They look alive like he looks alive for once. Yeah. And she's it's such a good suit here. I love it. See, um uh, oh oh but Kaiju, go ahead. I'm sorry I cut you off. No, I'm done. No, I'm done. I, I, what I was gonna say real, real quick is with this what I love with this one with Gameron here, is I feel like it really mixes the hero, like the heroic nature of Gamera, while still making him feel not threatening, but like awe inspiring. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. yeah. Like the Everything oh, go ahead. Feels big. Yes. Every, like, ah, uh, it's just it's a big film with big monsters. Exactly, <laughs> and like what I love is how even though Gamera's trying to be heroic, like like Gamera's doing the right thing by stopping the Gauss. There's just so much destruction caused during that attempt that people are like, 
oh, Gamera's, Gamera's bad. And it, 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 it here's the funny thing, because we kind of discussed this in our Show of Gamera episodes. It's literally what happened. Even a Show of Gamera, like, we, we, like when Show of Gamera destroys things while trying to stop the monster, that is how people would respond. Okay. Especially if they didn't know, like, what the monster was doing, like they do here. They just see Gamera destroying stuff. They don't know why Gamera's doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but it's. <laughs> but they still make Gamera, though feel heroic though and i think they do it in a really interesting way too like they don't spell it out right away yeah with the origin yeah yeah the origin i really love that origin too um but specifically like i love the bridge scene where gamma sticks his hand out to save um uh... i was about to say that that's the moment you know yeah oh man what are their names i'm so bad with character names I can't remember. I know you're talking about it, but yeah. Yeah, the the scientist lady, the the naval officer, and the kid. Yep. I only um, had it up earlier this morning, and I can't <laughs> mm-hmm. get it back. Uh, so there's uh, Yoshinari, and then... Um, oh, here we go. Um, Masaki. Yeah. I like that scene where he saves Yoshinari and Masaki is so good, because that's when you know, okay... Gamera's good. Gamera's good, and Gamera cares about humanity. Mm-hmm. It's just that Gamera's so big. When you're fighting tiny things that can fly, it's hard to be precise all the time. <laughs> yeah, Gamera has a rough year. Okay, speaking of, I love the intro scene for Gamera, where Gamera just comes out and just slaps the Gauss dead. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. All right. Just out of the ocean, slap. There goes one of the Gauss. Dead instantly. What a volley. Also, <laughs> as as oh, go introductions ahead. go for like, here is the monster that is like an unparalleled one for me. Yes, like, you it's get fantastic. That, you get that night vision shot of right in the face. Yep. And then it's just whack straight down. <laughs> I also really love um how they changed Gamera's fire breath in this. Because I feel like in the show movies, it didn't work for me. Like I, the flamethrower. I, I feel like that was probably because of the effect, I think. It just looked yeah. cheap. And I feel like the I feel like him only firing like fire bowls works better for me personally. I think it helps make him stand apart from like Godzilla. G- yeah, that too. Breath. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Ton, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was going to say the crash. It, it, it makes him very distinct from Godzilla. Um, yeah. Like, I feel like as the show movies went on, Gamera got more and more distinct. But in this movie, finally, he's kind of his own monster entirely. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, can I also say, speaking of, I love that they explain why Gamera's so weird. It's because he was made by genetic engineering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a good explanation for why Gamera does such weird stuff. They were like, of course a monster that has freaking jets for legs and can make it turn into like a UFO is not a natural creature. Yeah, I, I think it definitely helps to get, provide a lot more justification for his unique abilities and designs. Okay. Crash, go ahead. I'll I was going to say, with the genetic engineering angle, they could easily use that to justify a lot of the weird fucking show of villains from Gamera mm-hmm. to, honestly, like, yo, what yeah. if we made... A shark creature that stands up, like that—that <laughs> that would make more sense, I guess, as opposed to a weird fucking alien. But um, yeah, yeah, 
it, it's a really unique origin. And once again, another way to help make him stand apart from yeah. Godzilla because he was created intentionally. He yeah. wasn't an accident. <laughs> Sorry, Godzilla. He was on <laughs> purpose. And it, it, it's a really nice angle, and I like it too because it provides more justification for him being a hero as well. Like he was designed to be a savior, yeah, to protect people, and like I, I, we we already said this already, but it's funny how much he's come from initially being like a Godzilla ripoff to over time creating his own identity and becoming yeah. his own monster that stands very much apart from Godzilla. And something else which I like with that origin is it's it's accurate to the show stuff because in the first show movie they mention Atlantis, yeah, it just yeah. never comes up in like a big way. They they just kind of like they don't really go into too much detail about it, and here they just fully dive into like yeah, Atlantis mid camera. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it's cool. I okay, we might mention this later about um the show director. You want to yeah. save that for later? Um yeah, let's say that for later. Okay. Okay, I have one quick thing before before we move on to Gauss. Mm-hmm. Are you are you all team? There are turtles in the Hase Gamma universe. Or there are no turtles in the Heisei universe. Let me explain. (laughs) In one of an an interview that Kaneko, or was it Kazuma Ino did? One of them did it, or was it Higuchi? Okay, so one of those big three for the Heisei Gamma stuff, the interview, and said there are no turtles in the Heisei Gamma (laughs) universe. And people took it seriously. Now, I think it was a joke. And the reason why is, um, did did you all also pick up on the fact that they call Gamera a giant turtle at one point. I was about to bring this up. So I actually rewatched this morning. Uh Uh, So in both the English dub and the Japanese, original Japanese, they call Gamera a giant turtle. Exactly. In the scene scene at the, where they're talking about the uh, tablet. Yeah. With the runes on it. They both call, uh, in, in one, it's the marine officer. In the second one, it's like the insurance scientists. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both call Gamera a giant turtle, and you can't call something a giant turtle without <laughs> also word. having regular sized turtles. Exactly. That is, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Like, what would, there's like even nothing in the movie to hint that like, oh shit, turtles don't exist. Why would they <laughs> exist? I don't get. It. <laughs> yeah, they 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 call Gauss a bird, and they call Gamera a turtle. Yeah, I, I, well, like, like for me, I think it was just someone messing around. Oh yeah, people it's it funny people But people have ass. taken that as canon. Yeah, doing the base level research, which is watching forty-two minutes. It is for, okay for anyone who needs to, this proof. It is forty-two minutes, I believe, into Guardian <laughs> of the Universe. They will say giant turtle. Well, <laughs> exactly. I like that you took notes down too, because you, you know this argument would come up. It's so funny. That's <laughs> yeah. so, so like I mean, I, like, 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 like I heard it. I heard it, and I was like, "That's so silly. Why would there not be turtle?" Okay, and like the joke actually was, "It's to make Gamera more mystical." And I'm like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> it's a giant turtle. Who cares if there's like a tiny turtle around?" I mean, <laughs> yeah, Toshio and Shambles. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Kaiju, I'm so glad that you took notes so you could cite the exact like timestamp yeah. on this movie. Yeah, and get their next. <laughs> okay. I don't, like, I don't like misinformation. Of especially course. Especially yeah. in, in genre stuff. Like, really easy to solve stuff. Too. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Ton, I, I, are you team there are turtles or team no turtles? <laughs> I'm oh team God, tur- I'm, I'm pro turtle because a world without turtles isn't worth saving. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm I'm in on that one. I'm in on that one. Yeah. Imagine a world without sea turtles or tortoises. No. Couldn't really. Could you imagine a world without the teenage year ninja turtles? <laughs> or Franklin? Oh no. I couldn't I can't. Dark oh, police. Yeah. Speaking of Franklin, did you know that there's a that there's a gamma reference in Franklin? I, yeah, I, I remember that one. You posted it. it was really clear. He's like hiding in a shell. He's got the gamma eyes, right? And it's like monsters no. like attacking him. Yeah, I said, well, you, you kind of got it right. There's a bit in a Franklin episode where like Franklin's like, "Oh, monsters!" Ah, and it, and it's all the gamma monsters. It's so funny. They even <laughs> used the Heisei design for gals too. So it was like someone who actually really remembered it. Mm-hmm. You gotta look that up. I, I I have to post the picture. It's so funny. Here it is, here it is. And they've got like Barragon, Gauss, Jiger, and Viras. It's so funny. Here it is. That is <laughs> oh amazing. It's incredible. Someone snuck this in. I love it. That's really funny. But yeah, Ton, I just realized I never asked you your thoughts on Gameron. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm so hurt. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> you guys, you guys, uh, I mean, you all said a lot of what I kind of think about this. It's such a great redesign of of the original uh show of suit um it's honestly really similar mostly just very refined um they really fixed up a lot of the issues that made his eyes look better obviously the higher budget allows for more detail in the suit it just looks um excellent uh, i love how gamera has a fully realized character here um no longer just a Monster that just occasionally acts weird, but <laughs> overall acts like Godzilla. Um, Gamera, like you said, is um, uh, meant to be a protector of the world. And you can see that it really, they just really sell so many moments. Like you have the hand protecting um, the people on the bridge. I know we just said their names. Yoshinori. <laughs> yeah. But also, you just notice watching the movies, like, uh, when the JSDF attacks Gamera, he doesn't fight back. Or when fighting Gauss and see, you notice Gamera's just very careful and deliberate in um, his movements. And even when there's collateral damage, it's mostly just stuff that's unavoidable. So yeah. there's a lot of attention to just Gamera's personality that I just really love. In this oh, movie. speaking of, you brought up something really, really cool in my opinion, because we've all seen GMK here. There's such a difference in how Kaneko shoots Godzilla in GMK versus how he shoots Gamera in in in, in the Heisei trilogy. And oh, I think that's sure. really cool. Mm-hmm. Because like he kind of emphasizes like the wonder and majesty of Gamera in these, and then with Godzilla he emphasizes like the more horrific, oh my gosh, this is a giant monster type thing. Okay, I guess that brings us to Gauss. Ton, I'll, I'll let you start with Gauss because I, I shortchanged you with Gamma. <laughs> Alright, that's fine. Uh, yeah, Gauss is great. It's, um, very similar to kind of the original creature, but very much um, reinvented to fit with the um, story. We have multiple Gauss this time, which I guess kind of ties into 
the um show era if you consider um space gauss the same yeah i was thinking about gauss. that actually <laughs> yeah so gauss is a species now and there's a lot of kind of nice um sci-fi element with this um where you get like an explanation that all the gauss are female you see how they survived until the modern day and um just a lot of their motivation and the danger with them um I I just I I remember this was, as it, anyone who remembers the first episode knows this is the first uh, gamma movie I saw so I just really love the Gauss like just such a cool design cool villains and this movie really makes them the most threatening they've been yeah so the, definitely my favorite depiction of Gauss can you they're actually scary they are but, like. Okay, they, okay. They, they are I'm one a, of the oh, few go ahead, first that actually scare me in terms of design. Yeah, they're very creepy. Okay, quick story here because you brought up something and it, and it triggered like a childhood memory in me. I have to say, my first one of the Garden Universe was, was checking out from Blockbuster. I turned it on, I got to the first Gauss scene where they eat the dog, and I was like, I'm good. I'm not watching this. That's it. <laughs> And I did watch it again until I was a preteen. So yes, the Gauss are very scary. Go ahead, Kaiju. <laughs> yeah, no, they like there. There's not many examples of Kaiju out there through through the ages where we actually see the the human cost. Yeah, like the life cost of the monsters, like it. It doesn't happen. We surprisingly very rarely get to see a giant monster actually eat someone. Yeah. Uh, the most recent one that I can actually think of is uh, George in Rampage. Oh, actually, <laughs> you remind me, there is one more recent than George. There's one more recent than George? Yeah, Rodan in Kingdom Monsters. Oh, of course. Yeah, Ro Rodan got the, yeah, Rodan got to eat a pilot as a snake. Yeah. Uh, that that was yeah. Those those sorts of just big gulp scenes are always very funny. Um, but yeah, like you you see it start off. You see them start off with the dog, and then the stadium full of of meat. Yeah, and that's creepy as hell. And oh yeah, it, it gets is. Up to the the bridge scene where it's eating a horse, and you just go, okay, this thing's now big enough that a horse isn't is like as as a lunchable size <laughs> snack. And then it gets to the city, and it's like eating out a, a train carriage like it's a tin of Pringles. That like, scene is so horrifying. Like, and what's really funny with that with that scene, not to cut you off, um, that scene is taken from Gamma vs. Gauss from the show era, but they make it much more horrific. Yeah, like, they, they do not... They do not tone down this idea that the Gauss are bad. They are they are terrifying. This is what they are going to do to the world if they get a chance. Yes, mm -hmm. like they will not stop. They will eat. They will reproduce. They will keep going. And they're not just like some little gray goo kind of thing that's going to keep eating and reproducing. These are huge, and they're going to keep doing it too. Yep. Which, like by the time you get to the end, you go, I don't want this thing that has a hundred meter wingspan flying into my town and. <laughs> eating everyone and laying eggs in my house yeah like... and, and what i really love what them saying the stakes with that 
is they show that three gals are enough to basically shut down Japan as a country. Mm-hmm. Just three of them, and one of them died pretty quickly. So, if, if, mm-hmm. if Gamera hadn't turned up and taken out the eggs in Tokyo Tower, the movie probably would have finished a lot earlier. Yeah. <laughs> so, real quick, actually, Crash, let me let you go first, and I'll go with my stuff. About Gauss? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So obviously, it's cool to see a returning monster from the show era. Gauss was one of the better ones, one of the more iconic ones from there. Yeah. But the real presence in that movie, so Gamera's arch enemy. Yeah, I guess by this point they pretty much just established that here so yeah it's cool to see him feel friendly back it's good one a good one to choose and they did something really unique with him her i guess because well like, well I mean, they're kind they're, of both yeah they, 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 they shift to whatever they need to be at the time true, true, so. true. yeah yeah G- gender fluid gauss <laughs> uh i i can get into like a massive talk about gender attitudes in giant monsters uh, but I'm leaving that for my game. Uh, <laughs> if you want to hear me talk about my attitudes towards giant monster gender, please play my game. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, so like I like how here they start off as like multiples, there's a bunch of small ones. And yeah. At first, I was like, damn, I wanted to see a giant gauss, and then we did get one at the end. So I like how they built up to that because like they're kind of like an infestation of pests. You know, they can spread yeah. out of control. It's a really interesting angle. I like it a lot. They get bodied, and then by the end, we get to see one fully grown and it's a really nice design to keep the most iconic part of him yep her whatever you could yeah, just was... use vote at this point that's <laughs> true yeah <laughs> my mind's being petty but um you know like the the flat head the like v-shaped head yeah really iconic look for him always makes him look fucking angry but yeah um, it's a really cool design the bat aesthetic it's just a really, it's a really creepy one, like you said. They up, they updated the design well. Also, also speaking of creepy design elements, I love the red eyes for Gauss when they yeah, grow yeah. up. They have really beady eyes, like red and creepy. And yeah, it's a really nice Heisei transition design for them. Like, this is exactly what I imagine a Heisei Gauss would look like, because it is a Heisei Gauss. So it's really, it's a really cool design. I love yeah. the Gauss here. He's got like, I forget, um, do they carry over his abilities from the original? Yeah, they do. Yep, the only one, place. yeah, the only one that's missing is regeneration. Oh uh, yeah, the mm-hmm. other limb. True. And we we only don't see that because we don't have time to see it. Yeah, true. Cause, true. Because by the end of the film, they even do the the camera takes Gauss's foot. Yes, I love <laughs> yeah. that reference. Um, we, that which is a fan, which is one of my favorite references. But we don't get to see it grow back because yeah. in the film that happens overnight. Um, oh true it goes for a regeneration phase in this one by the time that's happening gamma is in go mode yeah and and take does the boss fight in 30 seconds flat (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh speaking of i'm a crash i want to say i love how they do the sonic beam effect here yeah i was gonna say it's pretty intense just builds up all that sound it's fucking deafening but it's really cool and powerful and yeah, like Gauss here is just really awesome. And I think this was a perfect way to reintroduce Gamera here with these monsters. Familiar, yet really nice new takes on them. Yes. Um. Also with Gauss, I have a few fun behind the scenes facts, but let me say this real quick for a second. I love Gauss here. I think this design is awesome. And I love, the, and I love how they change designs based on the forms because like early small baby Gauss have their own design they have the weird funny looking beady white eyes yeah I, there's some fun shots that look so funny 
with them. I love it. Then you have like the mid-size design, like the bridge scene. And then you have the final Gauss, which is called Super Gauss, actually. And Ooh. that looks fantastic to me. Because it's like, okay, this is the Gauss. Like the interpretation of Gauss from the show era. And I really love that. And I, I like how unique the Gauss feel here because they feel like animals, but they still feel very sinister. They don't yeah. just feel like animals out of control. They feel like something... They feel almost demonic in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're pretty... They're just really creepy and settling what they do. Feeding right off cows, SMH. <laughs> I mean, that the genetically programmed... To follow a very simple yeah. program, which is eight breed. Eight yeah. Breed. <laughs> and it makes you wonder why the Atlanteans made them. I like that they don't reveal that. Yeah. Why they were made. Yeah, you end up you end up finding that out. Uh, essentially, you have to go to the Last Hope comic. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so I, I got that as part of the, the collector's edition. And I'm so glad because I never would have been able to get a copy of the comic otherwise. <laughs> yeah, that comic um, is super rare now. And like, go ahead. Oh, I love it. That there's some really good reasoning behind it that canonically makes everything in the films make sense. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, I have to check it out after I finish the trilogy. Yeah, Crash <laughs> is going in spoiler free. Yeah, I'm yeah, I, I, I will not spoil it, but you, you will read why the Gauss and why Gamera and go, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I'm makes excited. sense. But yeah, for some fun behind-the-scenes facts, first of all, Gauss is the first ever film kaiju to be played by a, by a female suit actor. And I think that's really cool. That's really and cool. And then we got Baragon. Yes. Also from Kaneko. Kaneko yeah. was really good with that. <laughs> and I think that was really cool. And they chose um, a female suit actor specifically because they wanted Gauss to feel different from other monsters. And I think that's, that's interesting reasoning. Also, fun fact... Remember how we've been mentioning Dai asking for changes from Kaneko? Mm-hmm. Originally, it was not going to be Gauss in this. Who was it going to be? Barugan. B- really? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Rainbow Beam and Heisei. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I think personally, I think it's because Barugan, like Kaiju was saying, fits Kaneko's sensibilities more. If, because if you remember, that movie is very dark and, and adult focused. True. Yeah. So I think that's why Kaneko had an affinity to Baragon, but I think Gauss fits the multiple individuals angle better, personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Baragon is my favorite Showa era one, mm-hmm. um, definitely, and like I, I love the MST3K riffs on on Baragon because yeah. there's some fantastic ones in there because it's just a really funny one. But if you want to set uh, a nemesis monster mm-hmm. to to go forward with. Gauss is where you go. Yeah, especially because. Oh, oh go ahead. Uh, yeah, you you do not need to explain why there's more. Yeah. If you go with Gauss, if you go with this interpretation of Gauss, anyway. Yeah. Uh, you just go. Yeah, there's more. How many more? Who knows? There was an entire cave full of them before, and yeah, and we got three. So. Yeah, good luck, humanity. <laughs> and like Tun said, Gauss in the, in, in the show actor technically had multiple versions because you had Space Gauss and Giron, and there was a whole bunch of them in there. Space Gauss, element mm. for like spray painting Gauss silver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Bring him back. And but meanwhile, Baragon though, to me, 
they kind of made a big deal about there only being one Baragon. Oh, yeah, from, like, yeah, the origin. So I, I feel like it would have been kind of weird. I think, you of know, course, I though, mean, with the Heisei. Bar- Baragon was a series of creatures, though. was a species. Oh, really? Maybe yeah, I missed it over it, something. Yeah, no, in in the... Uh, remember, in Gamera vs. Baragon, uh, Baragon was a reoccurring monster that species oh, that true. shows up for the, the, the village yeah. every thousand years or so. Also, he also and, Barugan did hatch as an egg, so I guess you're right. Yeah, exactly, and and Barugan mm-hmm. was that. Oh, human greed has escalated something horrible to the point where we can't deal with it. Oh, you're not um, true. You're right. Like, metaphors. I'm good with <laughs> metaphors. Though I do uh, have have an affinity for Gauss just because of this movie, so I'm a little bit biased. I'll admit. I also couldn't say like a modern take on Baragon in the same way that they did Gauss. Yeah. Like, there's no way it could have been as threatening in an era of modern technology. Yeah. Also, like Crash said, I feel like Gauss's power set is a little less crazy than Baragon's. Because Baragon had the rainbow beam and the ice breath. I Gauss was a lot more simple. Yeah. The rainbow <laughs> beam is hilarious. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, Gauss definitely fits that like kind of monster monster thing. Yeah. And, like I think it's just good to start off like a whole reinterpretation, reboot of the series with a kind of like simple and familiar. Yeah. Because to... because the reason why Dai asked for Gauss or Baragon is that Gamera's Gauss was the highest grossing show a Gamera movie. Mm-hmm. So they're like, could you use the one from the most popular movie? And 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 I, and I get that ideology personally. Yeah, and now this movie fully cemented Gauss as the Gamma monster, a well Gamma villain. So, mm-hmm. and one more quick thing before we move on to the humans, um, did any did anybody realize the similarities between the Gauss and the Mutos? Uh, no. In in the face shape, in the the true the face shape, yeah. Well, actually, in in their roles. Both are monster species that will reproduce and overrun the earth. And both and both cause the main monster to awaken to fight them because they sense that they've come back. I mean Godzilla nineteen ninety eight is I was was literally I was actually thinking about that. (laughs) Not wrong, but it is a funny coincidence that I've seen people bring up before. (laughs) Yeah, it classification of kaiju species is always a pretty interesting one but the the impending fear that this giant thing that's eating all our dogs is going to turn up and make more things that are going to eat all our dogs more dogs (laughs) yeah (laughs) is scary as heck and yeah there's there's probably some (laughs) metaphors in there for like invasive species but i'm not going to go into it not letting your dog out without supervision okay (laughs) So, are we all ready to move on to the to the, to the humans then? Yeah, bring on yeah, the snacks. <laughs> I think we should start with Asagi because we were talking about her earlier. She was the teenager, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Gamera's priestess, in a sense, which I actually really I like the connection to Shintoism with that too. Mm-hmm. There's like, a lot of Ama um, uh, Shinto like analogies with that. Mm-hmm. That was nice to see. Okay, real real quick fun fact with Asagi before we get into her more. 
she her actress oh shoot what's her name um uh Ay- ayaka fujifujitani is is the daughter of steven seagal and i find that really? hilarious yes also she got into writing and directing yeah she did after this which like, is really she's, cool she's made a career out of it yeah very interesting she, she got huge after this after this actually and well deserved because i think her acting in this is fantastic she has such a good attitude towards the whole thing like i love her hard ass like standing there covered in bandages yeah because she <laughs> knows that every time gamera gets hurt she gets hurt too and she just clutches that bead tighter yeah and it's like no we're gonna get through this i <laughs> also really like what asagi like the under like it's a very subtle character arc but I like that they kind of have this idea that her and her dad aren't that close after her mom died. And it's kind of the movie's kind of about, about her like reconciling with her dad in a sense. Like there's that little bit where he's like visiting her in her room while she's sleeping and, and he sees a of her yep. And her boyfriend. Yep. And he's like, Wow, I really haven't been paying much attention to you, have I? I love how many of the things you're coming, you're bringing up here that I was just thinking about this morning, <laughs> just <laughs> going through. It's like, huh, that's really cool. I didn't really think about this until I started. Like that's the thing. Coming back to this film after, I don't know it, it's only been like eight or so months since the last time I watched it. <laughs> it's, a reg- it's one of my comfort f- films, um, and it's just like I will always see something new. Same. Like, it, it it has a lot of depth to it. And that's what I like. But yeah, uh, Asagi's character arc is is gorgeous, and and through the series, through the three films, it changes a lot as well. Yeah. Um, Thunder Crash, you want to go next on, on Asagi? Yeah, I think it was cool. We got like our younger kid, not kid, literally, I guess, teenager, <laughs> like yeah. like role in this movie. But like you mentioned way earlier, the fact that they're not just like a toddler lets them have a lot more agency in the plot, and they can do yeah. a lot more and have a bigger presence, unlike the kids in um. What was it? Zigra. Yeah, Zigra. Yeah, which is pretty bad. <laughs> like, yeah, here, and she plays a really big role, too. She's not just, like, another passive, like, bystander watching stuff. You know, she gets the pendant bead. Yeah. And she's, like, kind of directly responsible, to, partly for helping to save the Earth from the gallows. Yeah. And, yeah, she's really cool. And I like that she takes on that initiative, knowing, like, even though it's going to hurt her, she knows what she has to do to not, like, damn the planet. Yeah. Funny enough, why did that? Okay, actually, you know what? I'll save that connection for the next week because it gets stronger. Um, what 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 a soggy also something which I which I really love. Actually, there's a specific scene I love, and that's her stuff with the taxi driver. That stuff is so funny; it's incredible. Oh yeah, the, oh, the, the taxi driver stuff was really yeah. Funny. And on the show again, Ron, we can all confidently say. This is 100% on purpose. Like, the bit where the tech driver just drives through the blockade and is like, I always wanted to do that. That scene is hilarious. I love it. It's so say that the taxi driver looks like a Japanese version of John Waters. <laughs> like, look up John Waters, Why? the director, and look at the taxi driver from camera. Like, That's his sidekick. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I, I can see it. <laughs> like, I... I, I sl- Sorry. Yeah, it's. it's really I don't know why that came to mind. It's just like I saw it. Now I can't unsee it. Um, <laughs> but I, I love the fact that the taxi just goes straight through the military checkpoint. The the military takes five steps and goes, you know what? 
Nah, we're good. We're just gonna <laughs> keep standing here. The, the army's that way. They'll deal with them. We won't yeah. on the radio again, anyone, because nobody it's cares. So great. It's the so great. I love it. Everyone piles out, stands by the side, and nobody does anything. It's just like, they're just like, oh well. <laughs> I really like how I guess somewhere between when she got in and got out. The text yeah. driver's like, I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm only gonna go so far. And he's like, fuck it, I'm just gonna go all the way. Yes. Fucking, I guess something, see, she managed to convince him somehow, but I thought that was really funny. <laughs> this is my one chance of getting to be like a Hollywood person and yes. drive through a military <laughs> blockade. I'm also, also, the dude is generally a good guy because he must have been who brought her to the hospital mm-hmm. yeah, when she passed out. Indeed. <laughs> good guy, taxi driver. He's losing his license either way. He may as well make the most of it. <laughs> Give him clemency. He did nothing wrong. <laughs> but yeah, Tan, um, uh, do you have any thoughts on Anasagi in this movie? Yeah, I, I really like Asagi. She's a strong character. Um, who She she leaves a really... Oh, sorry. My brain got mixed up there. Uh, she's a nice reinvention of kind of the kid characters from the show era. Where she's that main character who has a connection to Gamera and is the Gamera fan, but rather than it feeling kind of like you know naive or silly because it's like a little kid who's like, oh, Gamera's fine because she's a cool turtle. <laughs> she has that actual psychic connection to Gamera, which explains why she cares. So mm-hmm. she knows she. You can kind of get the impression that she knows how Gamera feels and why. Gamera's thinking, yeah. So that's how she knows he uh, Gamera's a good guy, and not just another big monster. Yeah, it, it makes Gamera more sympathetic, and it makes Asagi a very uh, empathetic character, which I like. You want know something which I noticed and I found really funny. Do you remember how how um uh, well, well well Crash and Tunnel would would remember this? How we used to like make fun of of the kid characters telling Gamera what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. like, like Pokemon style. Yeah. I noticed Kaneko managed to make it work in a way that made sense because Asagi is who tells Gamera to use um the flames in that final bit of the battle. Yeah, <laughs> she doesn't even say it. It's a it's an emotional connection. Yeah. I was gonna just, say yeah. She just looks at it, uh, looks at Gamera, and you can just see that finish him kind of yeah <laughs> facial expression. <laughs> Like, this is the end of Mortal Kombat. It's like, last hit point, <laughs> go for it. Um, yeah. Like, I think here, like, the main difference was, like, in Showa, they were just kind of, like, on the sidelines, like, cheering at him and stuff. Yeah. And here, it's, like, directly tied to the plot of how they're connected to whatever he gets, she feels, too. Yeah. So it's a much more, like, personal and, like, danger at stake there with the yeah. way, like, they're controlling each other. And I think it adds a lot more to that and makes it serious. Yeah. Not another Kenny. (laughs) It's the I've I've just gone like this is the collective noun I give for for all of those sorts of kid characters in films that don't yeah anything aside from be the kid character yeah Uh, you're not wrong Kennys and I I hate them because they detract from the story and yeah they really do the show uh, Gamera films. Every time the the like the American kid and the like every time the, the pair are on screen, I'm just like, can they not? <laughs> like, was wasn't the thing there that like they couldn't get 
uh, an American kid to be in it, so they just went down to the military base and got like saw if anyone was available. Yes, <laughs> that, that happened. That, that that's happened. That happened in VRS. Yeah, and I'm just like those kids. Can they just get eaten already or something? <laughs> <laughs> Gamera is the star of the show era once like end of story for me yeah I'm very fair but, but the Heisei ones Gamera is a part of the story yeah the only one yeah which for our next chapter I feel like it makes sense to pair these two is Asagi's dad Naoya Kusanagi I like how he is not like a like in like you know how sometimes in movies the story figure is like a real jerk and like you don't like them, they really go. They really go out of their way to avoid that with him here, and I really like that. He's very reasonable. He's open to what our people have to say, and he really does try his best for the soggy. Like you get the feeling that it's just that he works too much and not out of anything he's trying to do. If that makes sense. Yeah. Is it wrong that I wish that um, the the lead guy in King of the Monsters was more like him? No, I think that's fair. Like I, I see the the relationship between the 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 parents in Godzilla King of the Monsters to be very antagonistic in a way mm -hmm. that kind of detracts from plot for me. And I know that that film is very contentious and that's what's up. And I think it's still a lot mm -hmm. of fun. Um, but it's just like I love the the dad character in Guardian of the Universe because it's just like I'm doing my best, kid. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying. But hey, I'm I'm a, I'm a MacGuffin getting us between these two these two characters. Yeah, sorry, that's, that's where we need to be. If I didn't exist, then the Marine officer wouldn't mm -hmm. get introduced to my daughter. Yeah, um, and introduced my daughter to Gamera. Yeah. So. Also, something which I do really like 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 with him also is he he has a lot of fate in, in Asagi. Like 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 while he initially tries to stop her. He's not like badgering over the head to not do it. Like he he realized at a certain point, okay, she this is bigger than than me. I have to let her do what she has to do. And I think that's really unique for parrots in genre stuff in general. Because like to use like Anne May as as an example, how many times in Spider-Man stories is Anne May just like Peter, stop doing this if she knows his 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 identity? And I feel like that kind of translates over to a lot of parental roles in these genre films and other genre stuff. And it's nice to have a dad who's more, I'm worried, but I realize that this is bigger than me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that, too. It's a nice sense of understanding between the two. And kind of like, there's the concern there, but also like, you know, they're doing what they have to do of their own volition. Yeah. Alma, Thunder Crash. Do do you guys have any thoughts on Alma? Alma Dad? Um, yep. Pretty much everything you said, yeah. I like him as a strong character. His connection, relationship with Asagi is a really interesting one. Like like you said, like it's clearly not all perfectly there, but I think they come to an understanding at the end. Yeah. And I really like that. It's nice. Done. Yeah, um pretty, you guys pretty much said it all, but um uh... I just, uh, his connection is just really heartfelt, and I like the kind of unique element. It's a nice kind of remix from, like, where in the show trilogy you would have the parents, and they're just kind of skeptical of the kids. Oh, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, no, why is my kid with a, with a camera getting endangered? But here, you know, 
you know, he's directly involved. He knows what's at risk, but he still just wants yeah. to help his daughter and believes in her. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice change of pace. Um, okay. Next character, who's actually my favorite character of the trilogy. That might be a little bit of a hint there for you, Crash. Just a, just a smidge. Um, uh, it's Mayumi Nagamine, who is the or who is the ornithologist who they get to figure out what's going on with the Gauss. She is such a fun character to me because she's very no nonsense, and she's she like I feel like a lot of female characters in kaiju films are very passive to a degree. Yeah, and she is the opposite of that. She is she takes no bullshit. She's like I know more than you than than everybody in this room. You all have to, are doing something super stupid by trying to capture these literal demonic birds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I he agree. Goes back from the island and just immediately goes up to them and goes, "Kill them! Kill them yeah. now! <laughs> do it! Do it! I've seen what invasive species are like. And Kill them now! Like, it's the only it. way." <laughs> yeah, and I, I love that about her because she doesn't take take shit, even though she experiences a lot of sexism and ageism in this movie. Because yeah. they're always like, oh, you're so young. Which is a big thing in Japan, actually, where if you're young, people tend not to listen to you. Even though she has more credentials than everyone in the room. Mm-hmm. Just really head-ass. Because, yeah, she's very competent. She knows what she's talking about and doing, and, like, doing her best to try and get this under control. And people still don't listen to her. And it takes until, like, you know, kind of Gamera showing up and kind of validating all, like, all the stuff she's already been saying for them to finally be like, okay, yeah. my bad. You know. And she's very proactive too. I love the bit where she saves them from when the gals is coming to the helicopter just by figuring out that they're sensitive to light. So she uses her camera. That's a really cool scene. Yeah. She's really cool. Also, what I like with her is that sometimes in genre movies, they kind of skirt over a character dying. I like that she's affected by the fact that, that her professor Pat, it freaking got eaten by the gals. She's like, um, can you give me a moment? My friend literally just died. Yeah, that's a big thing, too. A lot of times characters are killed and they just kind of keep going. And I always wish there was more time for them to kind of acknowledge, you know, because that's you wouldn't just get over it like that. Yeah. And so I'm happy that they take time for them to process it a little bit, even if they do have to kind of keep moving. Yeah. So it's not just like, oops. The, the Gamera films in general are some of the only ones that do deal with trauma, though. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. You you go all the way up to the the third one, and when people are lost and when people die and something happens, these characters are deeply affected. Like you look yeah. at the um the cop character in the first one in Guardian of the Universe, and you see yeah. his progression through the next ones is just like this fucked me up. Like yeah, <laughs> I I went through a lot and I can't deal with it, and I keep getting dragged back into it. And I think that's something that Kaneko has a lot of interest in because you even look at GMK, that movie's a lot has a lot of scenes of trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he, he's done that a, a lot of things. Like, um, I I was having a look through his his like, writing listings, director listings, and he worked on uh, Azumi too. Yeah, and Azumi was one of those ones I was very into as a teenager because like I was just getting my my fix of regular Japanese media content because that's mm-hmm. all i could do in the middle of nowhere um and like the first one was fine but then Kanenko took over the writing and took over direction of the second one and that film suddenly just becomes huge and emotionally deep in ways that 
Yeah. You know. Funny ninja, side note. Ninja stories generally don't. Mm-hmm. Funny side note with Izumi. The first one was directed by Final Wars' director, and, 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 and the Final Wars director wrote that one too. So and there's a funny like a contrast lot. between their two styles. Yeah. Directly. One, one's there. a lot more spectacle, yeah. and one's a lot more emotional. Yeah. Um, uh, but Kai, did you have anything else you want to say about um, uh, I literally just said her name. Mayori, that's her name. <laughs> I love her as a character. Mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic when a scientific character in a kaiju film actually gets time to talk and time to express feelings and thoughts without, like, and to be justified by the end of the film. Yeah. Um, there, there was just a lot of scientific attitude in her view of things, and it's just like, we we can do all the science we want after these things are dead. Yeah. Like, preservation is one thing. I'm an ornithologist. I believe in preservation of life. And that's why I'm saying we yeah. need to do this right now. Um, and that was... Yeah, and having her as a main character was really important too. Because as you, as you say, we, we did not get a lot of female leads um, in, the, in the genre. Yeah, especially the especially the Gamera stuff before this. Like even in, even in Godzilla, I don't yeah. think we've had too much over the time. It's always supporting characters. Yeah, and she is a main character. Yeah. Ton of Crash. Who wants to go next on Mayuri? I guess I, I can go. Um, okay. I really like uh, her character a lot. It's definitely a character that I think in fiction tends to be a male character a lot. Kind yeah, of like very true. That scientific expert who's actually competent. And it's nice to see a, a female character in that role. And overall, she's just uh, really well acted. Act, acting is great and uh, just really contributes a lot to the plot. She's definitely never like a dull character and it's nice to kind of see themes like um sexism and stuff being addressed in the in a genre film mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. crash yeah did they already talk about her okay about uh, oh, okay I, I, just, I just want to be sure that you you're able to say all your stuff no. in her I don't no, yeah. you off. same kind of stuff I, okay I, like you implied i can't wait to see her come back in the future i imagine yep Definitely a nice link to have okay so the well, the final main character is Yoshinai Yanomori, who was the yeah. marine, the the marine officer, who was always like, "Fuck you, we need to kill Gamera." Actually, no, or someone else. no, no, that was someone entirely different. Crash. That was the uh, um, uh, like one of the like one of the gov- government guys. Yeah, that that was the main uh, committee member. Yeah, uh, who who was like, "No, we need to protect the Gauss and capture them and yeah. and study them for mm-hmm. our own purposes." Uh, but this this <laughs> giant turtle thing that's obvious, that's doing some kind of property damage and not life damage is the problem here. What mm-hmm. an asshole! See, 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 that's the problem. That's that's where you're at here. Is that the gals killed people and that's fine. But as soon as there's property damage, mm, <laughs> um, not saying much. anything in terms of relevance towards people, but you know. Uh, <laughs> I'll um, always worry about the people who say that property damage is more important than life. Yeah. Uh, Crash, to, to, to refresh on who I'm talking about, he's the guy who gives Asagi the pendant. Oh. And was on one of the uh, 
one on one of the ships in the beginning of yeah. the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and he was who gets them to like investigate like Gamma more. Remember? He yeah. was on the back. I do say I think he's the weakest of the main characters, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, like, like he's likable, but as seen by Crash. Forget him. <laughs> I feel like he kind of serves funny enough. I think he kind of serves as like the eye candy. Kind of. <laughs> Because yeah. he's because he's a very attractive male lead, he, he gets some nice dialogue, he's heroic, but they kind of give the character arcs to Asagi and, and Mayuri. Funny enough, yeah, yeah. that's it. Like he he serves his purpose well. It's just not as interesting as much. But he, he yeah. plays a uh, uh, an Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of role. You know, yeah, there to there to be there for the story, not actually there to be crucial to it yeah <laughs> like i i could have honestly imagined the dad giving asagi one of the pendants it's like yeah oh, hey look i got <laughs> this from the dig and we got an entire basket full of them we don't need them hey do you think this thing could be that thing um, yeah and it could have gone just as well in my yeah opinion. like he's a good actor mm-hmm. but yeah not noteworthy in that role I yeah Done. Yeah, I kind of have to echo the role. He's definitely he's a good character. Um, um, he, I really like the intro with him, kind of mm-hmm. discovering Gamera and that kind of creepy scene where they, um, dig up the island that Gamera turned into, mm-hmm. which I guess was his back, but yeah, there was a lot of dirt and stuff on it because. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is a, kind of a tangent, but when they <laughs> dig out the giant moonstone on Gamera's back, I thought they had, like, dug out Gamera's back. I was like, how's yeah, Gamera now? And you don't see until Gamera actually pops out later and just shrugs all that off. There's like, yeah. no, that that was probably, that was put there intentionally. That was, like, <laughs> as much of a set as the city that Gamera is now destroying. Yeah, yeah it was like, oh, okay, that's good. Philip African with it. But yeah, that I really like that intro and stuff. And he's just he does his job as a character be giving Asagi the um, the talisman and just a kind of, it's like like we said, it's like it's kind of a reversal of the usual thing where it's like you have the main or you have like a male character who does all this and then like a female side character. And so you have a female male ca- main character and a male side character yeah he wasn't even needed on the bridge no because <laughs> he goes to get them and he just goes nope we get saved by camera that oh yeah that's just a funny bit because like like my my is like you saved us and he's like no camera saved us also oh, yeah. just saying those two wouldn't have been in danger if the kid hadn't screamed its head off <laughs> like it's only when it started screaming did gas even notice that anyone was on the bridge Mm-hmm. Kid moment. <laughs> yeah, this is why you don't like Kenny's into into monster <laughs> Oh my gosh! It hit me that the only two characters is the one kid in the supermarket who's like rampaging, and then <laughs> yeah, and then and then the kid on the bridge who's who nearly gets eaten. Mm-hmm. I feel like but... Kaneko put kids in in the most like like I'll do it, but I'm not going to be happy about it. Wait, yeah, it's I guess it's kind of like a. Oh, it feels like, you know, 
an executive was like, hey, we need a kid because he's a friend to all children. He was like, all right, he's a kid on a bridge who's in trouble. <laughs> friend to all children established. Yeah, pretty much. That's how it feels. It's really funny. Um, And there's one more character I want to talk about before we move on. Um, And that is Inspector Osako, who is iconic. People love him. He's one of the most beloved characters. Honestly, I feel like. Crash, I, I wondered if you remember him. What was his name? Again? Inspector Inspector Osako, he was the cop who got um, uh, my Mayuri involved in everything. He was like... Oh, uh, oh, yeah, I think so. He's like the really friendly one, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he kind of disappears from the movie, I realized. Yeah, but from yeah, the beginning? Uh... Yeah. I remember that. I don't remember... Yeah, I think he did kind of leave afterwards. He's very. He's a very funny character, though. I really like him. Mm-hmm. He was. I'm up. Kaiju, continue. Um. Yeah. It's it's kind of weird that they make him disappear pretty much as soon as Gamera makes landfall. Yeah. Uh. And in in the later films, he definitely has a lot more of a a recurring role. Yeah. But I mean, in general, I say a cab, but. This, this, <laughs> In in terms of characters as characters, he's pretty lovely. Yes, yeah. he's friendly. He's a friendly coward. Yeah, who tries to be, um, tries to be the the professor's like. Here's the side that should be cautious. You mm-hmm. know, don't go running into the middle of this island where people have been eaten and pooped out in the middle of town. <laughs> like maybe that's a bad idea, and. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back in later films and in a much more important role. And yeah, I'm I'm glad. Like it's it's a good character. It's not hugely uh, memorable in this first act, mm-hmm. but definitely later down the line when you can see the effect. Yeah, like the the human emotional effect that yeah. kaiju have on people. Yeah. Well, something else I I really like with him also is the fact that he's like. He's the one who listens to to Mayuri a lot, un, un, unlike a lot of other people in in the cast. Like he he always has her back. I feel like, yeah, which is something I appreciate. I'm a ton. Do you have any thoughts on him? Even though, like me and Kaiju said, it's pretty early for him as a character in this one. Yeah, um, just mainly that. Yeah, I agree. With you. You two, um, very, um, fun character. He has a really nice presence. His actor is really good. So, yeah, I, I liked him. His actor also is in a lot of Kaneko stuff. A lot of Kaneko stuff, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, he's in Pyrokinesis. He's in GMK in a cameo, too. I think him and Kaneko are friends, I think. Because, like, you know how, like, directors always have, like, their actors... Mm-hmm. Who they like to cast and stuff. I'm pretty sure he's one of Kaneko's. That's the vibe I get. But yeah. It seems like the kind of role you give to a friend. Yeah. Like, at least early on. And then you go, oh, we got to call them back. Hey, can you act traumatized by a giant monster attack? <laughs> um... Oh, yeah, Crash. Yep. Did, did, did you have any stuff you want to say about him, or are you good? Uh, I think I'm, yeah. Finished. Okay. Okay, so let's move on to other stuff. Um, first, I want to talk about the themes of the movie. Usually, I kind of say what they are. 
So this time, I wanted to do something a little different. What do you all think are the themes of Gamma Guardian of the Universe? Hmm. I I have my thoughts, <laughs> but but I I kind of I want to give everyone a chance to kind of say what they think. I think there's definitely something about taking care of the world because, like, they make a point about the Gauss only kind of came out because the conditions were perfect for them. Yeah. Like, really, really kind of toxic and shit. So some, yeah. some stuff about like taking care of you know, pollution. I feel like that stuff was a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, okay. Oh, good. Kaiju, you, you, you were going to say? I'm just I'm just thinking, what do you mean? Like the, the setting or the... Oh, no, no. When I say seems, I mean like, like you know how like Godzilla's about like nuclear weapons and stuff like that? Like that oh, yeah. kind of Oh, well, I mean, the entire point of Gamera is to be humanity's shield. Yeah. And that, that, is, that is the core of what makes, these, makes this film and what makes the future ones as well. Yeah. Is, and that's what really builds it, in, builds it into the storyline, is that Gamera is, is waiting there and will wait there until the end of time in case gals come back yeah and it turns out that human beings have gotten things to the point where the gals have turned up anyway yeah it's just like yeah okay gotta gotta come out and break that shield out again yeah so yeah it's 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 an interesting one like that yeah there's a very strong anti-pollution aspect and a very strong anti-nuclear aspect especially yeah uh which if if you take it over like the environmental message over a couple of decades because you remember this is nearly like we're coming up to 30 years now yeah which is nuts um and we've seen the difference between nuclear energy and nuclear uh damage to the environment versus uh say coal and yeah things like that and honestly, I <laughs> I think it would have been a better message if they'd been anti-coal than anti-nuclear uh yeah on the whole um because we we saw what we saw what a uh how do i put this in shin godzilla we mm -hmm. saw what a cat catastrophic nuclear incident looks like on a kaiju scale yeah like that's the entire point it's like this is how everyone responds to it but then we get to gamera and I can't see it as an environmental message mm -hmm. at all. Because none of it is environmental except for what the humans talk about. Yeah, that's true. Like, oh, the gals popped up because things got, you know, particularly bad. It's like, well, that was going to happen. They were going to hatch at some point one way or another. We didn't need the anti-nuclear. And you get that from stage one, essentially. You get that from the first scene. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. That might be the only thing that takes it down from a solid 10 to me, is the mm -hmm. 9.5, just because the, the environmental message is a bit muddled. Well, that's fair. Tom? Yeah, I think Kaiju uh, touched on an interesting note uh, with the entire environmental <laughs> message, is that um, it's very much focused on kind of the... Um, um, anti-nuclear element. There's definitely just general stuff like pollution, so yeah. like say hetera, or versus 
Ziggler? Yeah, yeah, Ziggler was talking about ocean pollution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of focused on more of a specific thing. And um, I guess considering the time, 1995, this was 10 or so years after the Chernobyl disaster. There's yeah. a lot of skepticism about nuclear energy. And uh, like Kaiju said, nowadays, we can see that maybe it was Yeah, I, I feel like... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, oh, I, 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 was gonna, I was gonna say, I feel like that's also like sometimes the movies as things age, like Chernobyl really affected a lot of things. I feel like Japan, especially having had prior bad experiences with nuclear stuff, yeah, like, like nuclear bombs, I feel like that kind of reinforced Japan's mistrust in nuclear and nuclear energy, but specifically focusing it focusing on it in garden universe has kind of aged a little poorly because of what we know now yeah energy being the safest form of energy for the planet because Mm. they do show other stuff like they do show deforestation and factories in like that little like montage yeah but they specifically call out nuclear energy Mm -hmm. and i do agree that that part hasn't aged the best if that makes sense yeah, and also I just kind of moving into the general theme um, discussion mm-hmm. is that there's almost kind of like a cycle element to the yeah, story. Yeah, there is definitely this idea that we can't break the cycle of the Gauss. Mm-hmm. Like humanity will never reach a point where our kind of development and greed will culminate some kind of great struggle, and Gamma kind of represents that hope for yeah. our survival. Which yeah. is something I really like. So something else I do think also, and I think this is kind of present in everything, even in that pollution message. If I had to say, I think the big message of Gamma Garden Universe is that we have to be careful about the choices we make and what we create. Because you mm. see this throughout the entire movie. We made pollution, we made nuclear energy, even though I think that that part's aged poorly. We the Elanians made the Gauss with Shujanek engineering, and then the fact that all this is happening because of the traces to not kill the Gauss when when we could. I think there's a big message there: being careful of what you choose to create, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and how you react to those things that you create is also yeah a, a big message later on. Yes. Like. And honestly, we see that time and time again in in the genre. Yeah, like, the fact that we've seen oxygen destroyers pop up yeah. multiple times in Godzilla films. Yeah, knowing how bad they are. Yeah, like, says something. Like <laughs> for sure. Um, Crash, do, do you have anything you want to add, or are you good? No, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head and expanded on it. Like I okay. mentioned earlier. Yeah, like pollution's probably part of it, but like you said, I guess just being aware of your creations. Yeah. And just being mindful about them. Yeah. Okay. I'd, okay, the same one I want to touch on, touch on here before we do one more topic. And that is the special effects. The special effects of this one I want to shout out because they are fantastic. And there's two interesting things to note. One, this film had a lower budget than all of the Heisei Godzilla films. Every single one. Interesting. 
And two, this was Shinji Higuchi's first big kaiju movie. Wow. Yeah, and he managed would... to do it well because they kept it very like yeah small scale, but like still managed to feel big too. Yeah, because the like, way they oh, shoot the monsters makes them feel so big. Yeah, it's really well done. And you kind well. and kind of say the shots in this movie are gorgeous. Like the bit of Gauss on Tokyo Tower. You posted it earlier, Kaiju, actually, that shot. Yeah. <laughs> I I have so many, like, you you know that where we got, like, the, the one perfect shot? Yes. I love just watching a movie and go, I'd put that on that Twitter. I'd put that on Same. that Twitter. It's like, in, in that one shot with Gauss sitting on Tokyo Tower, and how much I'd love to see that on Tokyo Skytree now, since that was built, up, like, since this movie came out. Yes. Yeah. There's so many shots of just that which are perfect. Really yes, shot. it is. Um, it is great cinematography. Yeah, what does it? Because if you have good cinematography, you can get away with crappy effects. Yeah, better than if you have great effects and crappy cinematography. Exactly, and like even if some bits of the film have aged a bit, like if the CGI's aged a little bit, some of the flying shots of Gauss. I still think overall the film's special effects have aged magnificently well, and we're pushing like like you said, Kaiju, thirty years of this movie. This is getting to be a movie that's aged a little bit, and it still looks great. I feel like, yeah, def- definitely. It's as you said. There's a couple of shots earlier on. I think the stuff with uh, the the infant gals, the adolescent yeah. gals. Yeah, I think those are. Like the flying stages, yeah. Particularly like when they're flying into the into the dome and they're fully yeah. lit, yeah. Those look a bit trash, yeah. But you look at it and go, yeah, okay. This was this was ni- early nineties and shot on a shoestring budget. They're not, yeah, be perfect. And um, al- and also like the only other bit to me that really stands out besides that one, which you mentioned, Kaiju, is the CGI missiles kind of look video gamey now. <laughs> They so do. They really yeah. do. <laughs> very, very CG. Yeah, but like, but like Kaiju Park said, Park. though, 1995, Jurassic Park had only come out two years before this, and this was Japan. It wasn't even like American-made. I can excuse them for the CGI missiles looking not the best. <laughs> but we didn't... I mean, we didn't get decent-looking, like, decent-looking missiles, CGI, in films until like the mid 2000s yeah that too like cj was very much in its infancy they're starting to get they're really hard to get right yeah because you got to have something that looks like it's constantly in motion yeah in a way that like fits well and in the end i'm fine with what they got because it's no worse than anything else exactly okay i have a funny story though with the special effects the reason why Shinji Yaguchi got so invested was when he was in America, he turned on, he turned on the TV and he watched Mystery Science Theater 3000's episode on Gamma vs. Giron. And when he realized that that's how Americans viewed kaiju movies, he was like, screw this, I have to fix this. <laughs> so basically, everything in the universe is kind of Shinji Yaguchi's spite for the show and Gamera films. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we mentioned this before, but 
Mr. Science Theater 3000, like their coverage of the short films really shaped a lot of Western views on Kaiju just because yeah. it's probably the most publicly shown stuff about it for most people. So like they seem like, wow, look at these dank Japanese movies. Yeah. Like, effects. So I think it's cool that he sought out to show like, no, 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 it's not all like that, I swear. Like we have really good stuff and yeah. make his own one that really stands up. Yeah. Um, uh, real quick before I move on to another topic. Ton, do you have any thoughts on the special effects? Oh, yeah, they're great. Um, fantastic um, upgrade from kind of the show era. Yes. They really took of their budget, really made everything look nice. The suits are gorgeous. Love the cinematography. Just great work all around. So, real quick, before I get into the final topic, I want to shout out one more person. Koatani's score for this film is fantastic. Yes. Because the score adds so much to this movie. And I think Kowatani is actually my favorite giant monster composer. Because not only did he do Gamera's trilogy and GMK, but he also did Shadow of the Colossus. And I think that that game has a fantastic score. Mm-hmm. He knows how to like instill that feeling of like weight. And also, he also did Gundam Wing. And I think that score also does, does well with making the robots feel huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his music's really good. Very grandiose, uh, sets a scale for the kaiju fights very well, and has some emotion to it. It's really nice. I love like the little like soundtracks he does for the quiet dramatic moments too. It's not just the big like, oh giant monster scene. There's a, there's like a lot of really nice little touches to that score. Yeah, the only kaiju film I think that comes close to me for score wise for mm-hmm. this is definitely king of the monsters mm-hmm. like I, I i generally have like varying feels about the monsterverse soundtracks mm-hmm. but the the whole score they did for king of the monsters was gorgeous and it fit the tone very well the same thing with mm-hmm. camera guardian of the universe it is it fits the tone and it makes things feel as prominent as they are like yeah emotionally and that that's really important for the scorers to set the emotion for the scene yes. and not just big thing on screen. Yeah. Like there's a huge difference there and they knocked it out of the park hundred percent. Ton, I know you have a lot to say about the score, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I really love Koatani's um music. Um you'll hear more of that when GMK episode comes out. Or if you already watched that, sorry, redundant statement. But <laughs> Shadow Colossus was a game that left a real big impression on me. So whenever I hear a movie Otani's own soundtracks, I I can kind of recognize his style. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a music theorist, so sorry if I butcher, but I feel like all composers kind of have a distinctive sound, and Koatani just does beautiful things with kind of violins. All yeah. a lot of his music involves violence and just really fits kaiju because it gives them this very um grand epic feeling without kind of being too in your face like um like it's very different from uh, what's Godzilla's uh, Akira Ifakube. Yeah. But it's in a way that it's a different in a way that works really well. Yeah. Okay, there's one more topic I want to cover before we close out. And that um is what Crash kind of hinted at earlier. 
Noraki Yuasa, who directed seven out of eight of the Shoah Gamera movies, did not like the Heisei Gamera stuff. And in his mind, it was because it wasn't for kids, so it kind of betrayed the point of Gamera. I'm curious what you all think of that idea. Hmm. Should I say mine first? Yeah, go ahead, Crash. Okay. Yeah, we kind of talked about this earlier, like in chat. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like at a certain level, especially when a series has been kind of dead for so long, you'd be able to appreciate, like, a new kind of take on it. That's not trying to do the same thing. Because also, I feel like this movie is very respectful to Shora. Like, a lot. Like we mentioned, it uses, like, practically identical character movements, abilities, concepts, ideas. I mean, Atlantis. He brought yeah. that back. And, you know, Gamera's still just as heroic as he was. So, like, there's a lot of respect and care towards, like, Gamera's roots in here. And like I said, you said the director, Kaneko, wasn't he very passionate about, like, Shoah Gamera? I think yeah. Him. Yeah, he, he liked Shoah Gamera. He mentioned that that in his mind they were about equal. But as he grew up, he started to see the flaws, what I can gather. Yeah. But of... I mean, like, for, like, for making this movie, though, that was, like, his thought process like he really liked it yeah yeah so still like i said there he was very passionate about it clearly and wanted to do justice to it and take do his own take and i feel like you'd be able to appreciate that even if you weren't a big fan of it like just someone taking that character that yeah. you're so responsible with and doing something modern yeah i feel like actually let me let me let ton go and then i'll say my take real quick i'm a ton what do you think yeah, I think Yoss is definitely entitled to his feelings there as the kind oh, well, of well entitled, he's passed away. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, for he was entitled to his feelings at the time. Um I, I feel like the original creator always kinda has their vision for what the franchise is like. And when you have these big franchises and they kind of pass hands to different creators, it can kinda um create a riff like um to just open up a whole big old can of worms like george just look into george lucas's relationship with the star wars franchise oh, the expanded boy. universe and now with the sequel trilogy and new films and stuff um controversial stuff so i'll just leave it that but yeah but uh, with yuasa specifically um on one hand I, his feelings are valid but mm-hmm. I don't know if I necessarily think, like Christ said, I don't think the Kaneko movie really kind of insults any of his ideas of Gamera. Uh, I think it's very, he's kind of the Gamera soul, because at the end of the day, Gamera is still a heroic kaiju that saves the day, protects people and children yeah. and all that stuff. Um like I can see there's a big difference in kind of how the film is executed and what kind of elements are there, but it's like, yeah, I didn't, I don't think that style fits the nineties era of Kaiju. Yeah. And it honestly, it kind of stopped working after into the Showa era after yeah. like a couple of entries. So it, I don't think this movie would have been anywhere as successful if it kept to his style. Yeah, that's like kind of my thing too, where I feel like with Yuasa, it's almost like, I feel like with him, 
he almost viewed it as when Dai kicked him off of Barugan and tried to make it more adult because when and you also was never big on that. And when that failed, he was like, Yeah, I was right. But times had changed so much since the 60s. And with what was going on with Godzilla around the same time, I don't think you also's approach would have worked. And I hate to be blunt about this, but also I think what Kaneko made is just better. I have to be blunt. People are free are, are free to disagree with me, think I'm wrong, whatever. I think Kaneko ended up making something better with Gamera than what was already there, personally. That's just how I feel. Um, Kaiju, how do you feel about, about all this? Uh, I would have loved to have seen uh, Noriaki's response to Gamera the Brave, honestly. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Like, um, because in the Heisei era, we got two very different approaches to Gamera. Yeah. Um, and I love both, to be honest. Like I love I love all of the, the Heisei era stuff. It's super well done and does things very differently. And I think it's it's kind of a complicated point here is that mm-hmm. what was originally done in the Showa era was done at a time when it was direct competition. Yeah. Like that that's why Gamera existed in the first place. Yeah. And why they took it in the direction they did. And we saw kind of what happened with Godzilla with what what like every time they try and do a Kenny kind of character in a Godzilla film mm-hmm. and we see how kind of that flops. Yeah. Like you can't have Godzilla friend to all children. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't work. Um I think at the time, Showa, Showa Gamera was what it needed to be to be competition. Yeah. When when you got up to uh, Kanako's uh, Heisei trilogy, mm-hmm. it didn't need to be competition anymore. Yeah. It got to be everything he wanted it to be. Yeah, especially as, because... As, oh, go as ahead. As far as he could anyway, with, mm-hmm. with, the, with the compromise he had to make with uh, the studio. Yeah. And like especially with the fact that Toho was bankrolling this film and had a financial investment in it too. It it was not competition. At this point, it was almost the equivalent of like Toho just having another Kaiju franchise to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. Though they were like, kind of coexisted. Yeah, this this is what happens when you can get a a very profitable studio to bankroll something different from its normal like yeah toho has been doing these for a very long time it's good at recognizing what's gonna make money and what's gonna yeah. do well and so it, it obviously saw the changes that had that were planned for gamera and just went that's going to work exactly and it, and, it, and it did <laughs> these films were massive money makers yeah and the studios big studios it's capitalism it doesn't yeah. matter how far the artistic vision goes this is capitalism yeah if someone took like the Showa movie stories to a studio today and said hey can we make these it's about a giant monster that's friend to all children they would go why we have clifford the dog 
Exactly. Like, you wouldn't need. They they wouldn't they wouldn't think it'd make money. Like even Toho would probably not think it'd make yeah, money. Because like you said, that Showa era idea of appealing to kids for the kaiju stuff, I feel like it's kind of past. You'll get like kid friendly kaiju films and more like family friendly, but not ones directed explicitly for children as much anymore. And if you do, they're animated. 50s and 60s, uh, especially uh, attitudes pushed towards children. Like this was the the Scouts and Girl Guides kind of era. Yeah. Uh, That is why we ended up with the Kennys that we ended up with in the earlier Godzilla films. Uh, The earlier Gamera films. Yeah. Um, We don't have that anymore. We needed something more mature. Yeah. And that's what we got. And I'm incredibly grateful. And hell, yeah. we even got something more mature in Gamera the Brave. Yeah, that oh. too. Which I'm excited to talk about that, but I'm going to hold off just because Crash probably like... <laughs> Crash, 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 Crash is probably like, what is Gamera the Brave? Gamera the Brave? Hmm? Wait for it. It's good. <laughs> stuff. But yeah, real quick before we close out. As always, we've been doing a little segment where we... If a Gamera comes out the same year as a Godzilla movie, we discuss which one we like more. Um, Crash, I'm curious what you'll say. I think I have a feeling, but... Do you like Destroyer more or Garnier more? <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd go with Destroyer here, but I think this is a really, for the first time, I think, this one of the <laughs> good ones for both of them here. Because yeah. before, like, for practically every camera one, it was like, oh yeah, the, the Godzilla one. The <laughs> only time where, like, we were like, at least you picked <laughs> was Gamera. It well, no, it was Gauss, because you picked oh, Gauss yeah. over oh, some yeah. of Godzilla. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised you love Destroya, so I was kind of expecting that. But I was curious. <laughs> I'm a ton Destroya or Garden Universe. Now you, I'm curious about Tom. And I skip. <laughs> no, this, this is hard. I really love both movies. Um, see, I, I guess I would have to kind of lean towards Destroyer just because that's a really great movie, but I also really love this one. Uh, So, without going into deeper than that, because then I would have to discuss other movies. Well, so, yeah, Destroyer. <laughs> wow, Crash. Influencing much. No, I was just saying, uh, our, our deep thoughts are in those episodes. <laughs> yeah. I'm a kaiju. I, I think I know that I think I know who who you'll pick, but I'm curious. I even if I take away my my natural like rooting for Gamera in this one, I still have to go for Gamera. Yeah, because Destroyer did some amazing things differently, and I honestly think that's one of the best films of Godzilla films of the age. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was that and Biolante, that's it. Yeah, they're both. Yeah, yeah. Um, those two are like my Godzilla picks for the Heisei era, really. Um, yeah. But Gamera did something truly different. Yeah, that's at fair. a time when the genre needed it, mm-hmm. and like we we saw the same kind of things over and over with Godzilla. It was yeah. a great formula that gave us some really amazing films, mm-hmm. but it was more of the same 
Mm-hmm. We, we we got an amazing monster. Like Destroyer is fantastic. I heckin' love it. And you know, one of the few cruel, actually evil and cruel kaiju out there. Yeah. And I'll go for it there. But hey, Destroyer would, for what it is, gets like a seven and a half to eight from me. But Gamera mm-hmm. still gets that nine and a half to ten. That's fair. So I I will. Also, I can re-watch Gamera over and over again and see more stuff. I don't mm-hmm. think I can do the same thing with Destroyer. I've watched it twice and got the exact same feeling out of it both times. That's fair. <laughs> For me, this is tough. And I, on, I have to preface this. I think it's a little bit biased towards Godzilla for one reason. I feel like Destroyer, because it's the end of an era, while Gamera is the beginning of an era... There's more of a emotional connection for me with Godzilla vs. Destroyer that slightly puts it above Gamera Garnieras for me. But I think both are some of the best films in, in the genre. And it's very slight for me that I'd put Destroyer above Gamera. <laughs> very slight. Yeah. There's some, there's some closure in Destroyer that you don't get in a lot of the genre. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, well, what can I say? I'm a sucker who likes the fact that the movie makes, makes me want to cry for Godzilla. <laughs> So, so yeah, Alma um, uh, Kaiju, do you want to give us your closing thoughts on Gamera Garden Universe? Yeah, um, I honestly feel really blessed that this got to be my first Kaiju film that I got to grow up with Gamera, mm-hmm. even though like later on I saw the Showa ones, they were all the English dubs. Um, <laughs> Garden of the Universe, it's big, it is emotional. It does a lot of things in the genre differently, uh, and it sets the stage for a fantastic trilogy with some of easily some of the most unique kaiju out there. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's a great balance of the human side and the monster side. The fights are fantastic. The music's mm-hmm. awesome. Like, I just love it. I I am going to sit down and watch what's the next two today because I finished the first <laughs> one again this morning. Yeah, that happens to me a lot when I watch Garniverse. I get the vibes. I get, I get like the yeah. urge to watch the next two. I can't wait. It, it gives you momentum. Like, yeah. Gamera gives you momentum to keep rolling on. Yeah. Crash, your closing thoughts on Gamera um, Garniverse? Yeah. This definitely lived up to a lot of the hype coming from Showa Gamera. I don't think it would have hit me as much if I hadn't watched Showa Gamera beforehand. Oh, interesting. But I think it showed a lot of how any concept can be done well with the right kind of vision and director behind it, for the most part. Because, you know, this does everything I think Showa Eric kind of tried to do, but actually very competently, well, and with the budget. And mm-hmm. it really shows in the final product. Um, I had a lot of fun with it, and... I think I'm more excited to see what they do now in the next two, because I think now they have him established, they can do a lot more new and original with him now. Yeah. So... Well, I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's not made of 60% stock footage. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> but yeah, like it's, 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 it was a really solid movie overall, and I think mm-hmm. I'd easily recommend it if you, just, if you want to find another kaiju movie. It's not bad. Like, like, just like going from a show, it's like, yeah, you don't need to watch the show with Gamera stuff. <laughs> you can just kind of watch, you can just start from here if you want to see Gamera in his prime. Yeah, I kind of had that same thought. Oh, what, Ton? Yeah, um, after three movies in a row, I can finally say I highly, highly recommend this movie. 
Oh, that's a release to say. Um, <laughs> just such a great movie. Um, such a great trilogy. Really excited to get into the next two. Mm-hmm. Um, but without going much deeper than that, just really love this movie. It's fantastic. Great acting, great effects, amazing music. Watch it. Love it. Experience it. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah this one for me gets a full recommendation. I actually think this one is a great movie that injures people to kaiju with. Because this was one of the first ones I showed Ton. I told Ton, hey, uh, you're getting into Godzilla. Go watch Heisha Gamera. And, well, he got hooked. I think that this is one of the best intro like kaiju movies. Because it's really well made. The characters are really enjoyable and fun. It has some nice horror elements, too. It's just such a great movie, and it's really funny to me, the contrast and how I felt with this one versus the Showa Gamers, which, like Crash says, shows any concept can, can be good no matter what. So the Crash... The is much the same for me, actually. Like, if I want to introduce mm-hmm. someone to Kaiju films, it'll be this and GMK. GMK is a great one, honestly, for that, too. Which <laughs> Directed by the same person. So exactly. Connect a moment in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, Crash, do you want to see... We want to see the poster for Gamma 2. Sure. Gamma 2. I've never heard a Kaiju movie use a number. Oh my gosh. The oh, title God. is Gamma <laughs> Advent of Legion. You're gonna love I don't even it. know what I'm looking at. I know. It looks cool. <laughs> uh, this next one, I'm really excited for Crash. I'm really, really excited to see how you feel about this one. <laughs> I am so excited to hear what you think, actually. I'm (laughs) going to keep myself tuned to this channel, waiting for more, because I need to hear Crash's added response to it. (laughs) And I'm the newbie here. I can't wait, though. That's a brand new creature, clearly. Yep. So, wow. It's going to be awesome to see. Maybe I'll finally recognize the monsters in their thumbnails. (laughs) It's coming, Crash, just like having a Godzilla and King Kong. (laughs) But yeah... Kaiju, thank you so much for coming on. You are so great. It was so thank much fun. Thank you. This, is, this has been fantastic. I, I love coming onto these things and talking about my love for these films because they're, they're special and they make our community what it is. It, they really are. And I really love people coming on and expressing their love for these films because that's what this is all about. And I'm glad that I can facilitate that. So, Kaiju, besides the fact that you have Kaiju Noir coming out the weekend of this, of this episode going live, which everyone go support it. I can't wait for it. I will be buying it day one. <laughs> Where else can people find you? Uh, yeah, so people can find me on Twitter at nbkaiju, E-N-B-Y-K-A-I-J-U. Yes, Kaiju is my legal name, so deal with it. I'm going <laughs> to stick it on everything. Um, if you want to find out about Kaiju Noir, it's just kaiju underscore noir, N-O-I-R. Um, that's going to be out on itch.io on the 25th of October, same day as my birthday. So that's going to be pretty hype. Woo. Uh, I also run a blog slash interview uh, project called Digital Diversity, which is all about LGBTQIA plus representation in video games. So I do a bunch of different stuff. But mostly, if you want to hear me talking about my absolute love for getting stopped on by giant monsters, uh, just <laughs> give me a follow, and and I will talk about my unrequited love for Slattern from Pacific Rim. Um, 
Yeah. So, all right. So this was episode number nine of the Gamma Roundtable. Thank you, Kaiju, so much for coming on once again. It was a lot of fun. Next week, we'll be covering Gamma 2, Advent of Legion, and I can't wait. We're finally in my favorite stuff here, people. Woohoo. This is why I suffered through eight movies of Show Gamma. <laughs> Literally. It was worth it. It was worth it. It really was. <laughs> so, like I said, thank you for listening. Tune in next week to, as we'll continue our dives into the Heisei Gamma stuff. And thank you for listening. Have a good night.